The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. And I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my wonderful co-host, Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? Oh, Jim, I'm rad. You're rad? You're rad? Are, are you I back am. in the 80s? Are you back in the 1980s? Something like that. You know, in honor of the uh, book from our interview today, Radical Loving, I am headed back to the 80s, back to the future, back in time, and I'm bringing back the word rad. That's awesome. I think you've got some uh, lift to do with that. I'm not sure if it's coming back anytime soon. You know, I think it isn't. I do know that that awesome has stuck around from the eighties. I use awesome all the time, and I knew that I know that one hundred percent is now what I hear a lot of. Very true, very true. But I think there's something interesting in that idea of of radical that I'd like to reclaim. That sometimes, I you know, I know when I got sober that they talked a lot about radical acceptance and the idea that you know you didn't necessarily accept something was that was happening. But once you added the word radical, it kind of helped to know that it was something big or it was something that was unusual. Uh, and that, that, that helped me take it in a little more. And I think kind of radical loving may be the same type of concept. Sometimes it's hard to love folks, but if we radically love them, what does that mean? Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing more from, uh, Reverend Dosick, uh, uh, Reverend uh, Rabbi Dosick. Rabbi, Rabbi I mean, Dosick. We gave him another role. Did you, <laughs> did you do anything radical in your past, Jim? You know, I wasn't really a radical when I was a kid. Uh, I would say that when I was older, um, I had some rad times. Uh, but, you know, I was not a huge radical. When it came to my uh, my work, I was more of a radical, I think, because I used to stretch things out. And usually I was pretty creative and pretty creative on uh, on things. So I used to push the envelope a little bit. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how Rabbi Wayne will help us uh, be more radical. And maybe, maybe we'll get that word going back around in the circle. So listeners, please start saying things are rad when you feel called. 
I think that's a great idea. So let's get into our rad quotes for the day. What's yours? <laughs> oh, I'm just not sure if it's going to work, but all right, here we go. <laughs> Here's my quote. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move towards freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. Ooh, I like that, liberate. That is Bell Hooks, uh, who is an amazing feminist and social activist and author and professor and prolific writer and lover of um, not capitalizing words and her name. Oh, interesting. Interesting. What'd you come up with? I cheated. I got you it from cheated. the I cheated. I got it from the book today. That's okay. That's fair. We can encircle each other. We can connect with each other. We can inspire each other. We can commit to each other. We can make a world of holiness. We can make a world of love. We can make a world of peace because at our core, our souls know who we are and we can become as big as our souls. We can rise up, take the leap, and God will catch us. 100%. That is rad and it, awesome. It and wasn't amazing. awesome. Absolutely. Isn't that a great quote, uh, Rabbi? What, what a great vision. What a great um, vision to hold of what life here on earth and in this galaxy and in this universe could be. That's a great word for the book today and uh, for Rabbi Wayne's work uh, on this. I mean, you know, vision, wonderful vision. All right. Are you ready to jump into the episode? Let's do it. Broadening my perspective. Hi, friends. It's Martha Creek, MarthaCreek.com to contact me. I'm referring to Martha's Pearls, the new book. Uh, it's on Kindle and Amazon. Check it out, A Spiritual Approach to Life. Chapter 6 speaks about perspectives and how easy it is to hold a limited, rigid, uh, false perspective and not ever really back up from it and to see how can I gain some perspective here broaden my perspective here and absolutely question what I'm believing to be true. So I'm believing this may apply to some of you as I um, navigate my own mind here that I'm believing as much as I witness in humanization that this is absolutely true for part of us, that we most often lack perspective, particularly when we're in stressful or um, tense situations. I've noticed in my travels, for example, that it was so important for me to keep a broader perspective. That I would hear that when I was traveling to Ireland, I remember that people had said, oh, it rains every day, be prepared for that, take raincoats, do this, that, and the other. And I thought, well, that's possible. And I'm not going to necessarily believe that. It's somebody's perspective. Well, and then as reality would have it, I was there nine days. It didn't rain once. On the 10th day when we're departing, it actually rained. So I had a very different experience. So that my perspective naturally is different now because of referring to my direct experience instead of someone's projected experience. It's also easy at times to know that as we go through life that We've got so many opportunities to broaden our perspective. I often tease that all the war in the world is is over who loads the dishwasher and how it's loaded or how somebody put the toilet paper over instead of under or the dishes in the dishwasher facing out instead of in or the bed's not made or the seat on the toilet's up or down or 
<laughs> whatever. Doors are left open. Doors are left closed. The pets are in or out. Everything in between and every single bit of it, our beautiful, beautiful humanity, every aspect of our humanity. And I know, and I'm better at it, folks. I'm better at it today. And I know that you are too, that we have the absolute potential to observe this to gain perspective, broaden our perspective, and to absolutely awaken to everything I'm seeing. The all, the all of it, the all of it reflects the aspects of myself. And I don't have to like it a bit. I don't have to love it a bit. And I absolutely have to allow for all of it. So my gaining perspective and growing my perspective, seeing things differently is Ernest, uh, or as uh, Eric Butterworth said, seeing it right and seeing it rightly. So do what you can. If you're traveling through the world or simply traveling through life, remember to choose. Choose a new and broader perspective. Choose to be a model for broader perspectives. And when you can't, just make a wish. Love to you all. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. And check out Martha's Pearls on Amazon. Hello, this is Edward Biagioti. I'm the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. And it's always a pleasure to be with you today on Big Universe to talk about shifting our perspective in a way that we become a friend to all of humanity. And the simplest way to do that is to move from a feeling of desperately needing to get things into a place of generosity and feeling that giving flow of life, realizing that we are amazing, that we don't need anything from outside of ourselves to be amazing, and that if we tap into the well of our inner resources and give from our heart, give our joy, give a smile, help someone out when they're in front of us, they need the door held open, or let someone in in traffic, little things that can build the big things. But anything we can do to build that bridge from that giving mentality where we think we're not enough where we think we won't be whole unless we have something somebody else has that just cuts us off from our good because our good flows generously from within and our job is to tap into that and share it meditation affirmative prayer inspired reading these are great ways to get in the flow with giving sending loving texts send someone a loving postcard whatever you do give your love for crying out loud and remember daryl and ed love you and now it's time for our interview Rabbi Wayne Dozik teaches and counsels about faith, ethical values, life transformations, and evolving consciousness. Well known for his scholarship in sacred spirit, he's the rabbi of the Elijah Minion, a retired visiting professor at the University of San Diego, and the host of the monthly internet radio program, Spirit Talk Live. He's the recipient of honorary doctorate of divinity degrees from both the Hebrew Union College and the Jewish Theological Seminary. He's the best-selling author of nine, count them, nine critically acclaimed books, including Living Judaism and The Real Name of God, Embracing the Full Essence of the Divine. His latest book is Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. Rabbi Wayne, thank you for coming on Big Universe. What a great pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. What a wonderful book. I mean, it's um, Sarah mentioned in the beginning of the uh, at the beginning section that we tape uh, that it, it was a book of vision. And I love that word um, described uh, describing your book. Um, you know, the I guess the big question you're always going to get at, at an interview is radical loving. What do you mean by radical loving? What is that? It begins with 
seeing the face of God in each and every other human being. You know, we're each created in the metaphoric image of God, certainly not physical, but the spiritual image of God. And if we look into the mirror and look at our own faces, we see God. And if I look into your face, and if I look into Sarah's face, I see God in your faces. That's namaste. The divine in me sees the divine in you. And our job is to look and see the divine in every other human face. And the only possible response to seeing the face of God is love. And that's at the core of radical loving. So, for example, if you're standing in line at the bank and the teller is taking forever and ever, and you are getting more and more frustrated and angry, or if you're in the convenience store and the teenage clerk can't make change for a dollar bill without using a calculator, instead of being frustrated and angry, we see in that human being the face of God and understand that the only response is not anger or frustration or hate or fear, but love. Why did you decide to write this book now? Why is it so important to do it right now? Well, actually, I wrote it over a long period of time. Uh, Sarah and I share the same publisher, and God love him, but it takes a while for these books to get out. And uh, and then, of course, we were slowed by the pandemic. The publishing date kept getting pushed back. But I wrote it before the pandemic, and I wrote it, as an aspirational book. I took a look around at the world as we see it, and what did I see? I saw racism and sexism and xenophobia and hateful rhetoric and white supremacy and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. And I said, we can't, we can't live like this because we're about to destroy each other. And so I wrote it as an aspirational book saying, here is a formula, here's some guidance from antiquity and from right at this moment to help us see the divine in each other and to begin to live in that kind of way. And then, of course, we got smacked by reality. The pandemic came, and that which was aspirational became the choices that we had to make. Do we become isolated individuals and separate ourselves and disconnect from the rest of humanity? Or do we live as a community for the highest and the greatest good of all? And so the question is, uh, I mean, here were the choices that that we were facing. We must open our stores and our businesses because my pizza parlor, my nail salon, my dry cleaners is the only way that I can feed my family and pay my rent. Or... We must open the businesses because I have to go to the bar and drink and dance and go to the beach and get a suntan. And this goes on and on with all kinds of different examples. We have to open the schools because our children aren't getting the right kinds of education and they aren't getting socialization at their age group. Or we have to open the schools because I can't stand the kids around the house all this time. And I don't know, I don't want to have to learn how to do technology and become their teachers either or. So individual freedoms, very important, but do individual freedoms supersede the common good, the greatest good, the highest good? That became the question and still remains the question right now. So with all of that going on, 
all those isms, all those challenges, all those choices, what type of transformation do you think helps to change things? The kind of transformation is that I choose to see the life of another human being and make it as precious to me as my own. That's radical loving also. That's awesome holiness also. I love that. Awesome holiness. Yes, that's such a great word. Two words. <laughs> Actually, we made up a chant that goes with it. You know, with, with this book, we, uh, we made... Uh, well, they used to call them CDs. I know they call them albums or downloads or whatever they are. And we have 21 chants because chanting, of course, uh, goes deep into the unconscious and bubbles up into the conscious. And so we made a chant, holy, holy, awesome holiness, holy, holy, awesome holiness. And you sing that over and over again and, and you can't help but see another person and say, I have to act in awesome holiness. With greatest love, eternal love with greatest love eternal love sing that over and over again and that becomes your mantra that becomes the way you treat another person i have to admit i have that cd in my car because my car is the place that i often (laughs) don't see the face of god in other people's faces (laughs) (laughs) or vehicles or you know it's so interesting when someone's separated from you by by material how easy it is to make up stories about the people that are in that other car or what they did to me or why they're doing this. And those chants have come in uh, pretty handy though. So just a a little uh, (laughs) shout out for the musical part of what uh, Rabbi Wayne is offering here. Thank you. I tried to teach, I'm sure that the the national bank um, tells, corporate office tells the clerks at the bank. I walk into my local bank, which is a national chain or firm or whatever you call it. And they say to me, well, how's your day going today? And I try to teach them that it's not the thing to say. Because what if I came into the bank because my mother, God forbid, just died? Or my dog just got hit by a car? Or I just lost my job? You have to meet people where they might be at. And be very, very careful in how we deal with each other so that that we're treated the way we would like to be treated. You talk about a radical shift in human consciousness and embracing a world of spirit and oneness. Can you can you further that a little bit? Tell us what you mean by that. Well, sure. I mean, if you ask if you ask hundred people on the street what's going on in the world today, they would say, "Well, um, people, uh, businesses, and corporations are trying to make as much money as possible, and nations and countries are trying to uh, have as much power and prestige as possible." and accumulate as much wealth as possible, and as much land sometimes as possible. And all of those things, where have they gotten us? They haven't gotten us very far, except with lack of generous generosity of spirit, and in some cases with wars and conflicts that have put the best of our youth into the cemeteries of our lands. And so radical loving and awesome holiness are attempts to change that model and make it a model of sharing and caring and kindness and decency and dignity for each and every human being. You talk a lot about God in the book, understandably. What if someone has trouble with God talk, you know, calling calling this God? What do you say to them? Well, if you don't believe in God, God believes in you. 
Um, and there's a, there's an entire chapter in the book, which is I think maybe even the largest chapter, longest chapter in the book, which is called "But I Don't Believe." And there are many many responses to those who say they don't believe, and it's understandable. Um, and well, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you a story. Um, scientists came to God. I love this story, by the way. <laughs> scientists came to God and they said. We've come to say goodbye because we don't need you anymore. And God said, really? What's up? And the scientist said, well, the only thing that you could still do that we can't do with our great power and our great minds is create next ex nihilo, create something out of nothing. But we've figured out how to do it. We know now how to create a human being. And so we don't need you anymore. So God said, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Please show me. So one of the scientists reached out and picked up a, uh, a clump of the earth and started molding it and shaping it. And God said, ah, 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 use your own dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so the greatest, our great minds, which have created everything or discovered better, because everything is a creation of God. The great scientific, medical, technological minds that have discovered all that we call new and and amazing, where do those minds come from? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. They come from the divine. They come from the divine creation. The human human resources come from God. Human ethics come from God. You know, one of the great uh, arguments for the existence of God is that without God there wouldn't be an ethical system. You and I can behave however we want. You can beat me up. I can beat you up. Uh, I can take from you. I can steal from you. I can take your wife. I can take your kid. It's a, whatever it is. But the divine says, I know you. I created you. I love you. And I'm giving you this set of rules to live by, which will make your interactions so much richer, fuller, and more noble. And that's the issue right now. God says to us, look, I created every single one of you. I know you. I am your parent. And I love you all. And I don't play favorites. I really don't care what you call me. Call me whatever you like. Because in in a family, uh, somebody may say mother, and somebody says mama, and somebody says daddy, and somebody says pops. All the same person. Here, call God whatever you want, and come to God in whatever way that makes most sense uh, to you. Some people come in great songs. Some people come in silence. Some decorate a very wide path, and some uh, walk in a very austere, narrow path. Those are the different ways we come to God, and there is beauty in each and every one of them. I always say that my my dear friend, Father O'Leary, whose birthday it is today— says, I don't want you to be Catholic. And I say to him, I don't want you to be Jewish. There's great beauty in our different approaches. But in diversity, there still needs to be oneness consciousness. We are all one. Oneness does not mean sameness. The diversity is beautiful. But we are all one. We're children of the one God. We are children of the universe. And God says to us, I love you, I hope you will love me, and I hope you will learn to love each other. Because when you do, 
your life and your existence will be so much sweeter and better. So related to that, for, for folks who, for which the word God is not useful, and you're saying that a, another word could be used or could be put in there, can you give us a little bit of an idea of how you describe God? Is God a, an essence? Is God a um, anthropomorphic being? You know, when you're saying God, what are you talking about? Well, as you would say, lover of Star Wars, you would say, may the force be with you. Um, and also with you, Rabbi. And- <laughs> <laughs> Love when you Star a, Wars. It's a question that, worth asking for people for whom exact- that word. Your response was exactly the response <laughs> of the Catholic Mass. It right? was, yes. <laughs> yeah. The the, uh, the priest says, may the Lord be with you. And in, in the old uh, the liturgy, the congregation will respond, and also with you. Um God for me is the creator, the guider, and the ultimate redeemer. Use whatever word you want. Use whatever phrase you want. Give away the essence of creation. Give away the essence of guidance. Give away the essence of ultimate redemption. And what do you have? You have chaos. Because because the, the... theme song of the world today seems to be my god's better than your god and if you don't believe me mm-hmm. i will try to force you to believe me mm-hmm. and if, if that doesn't work i will terrorize you and if that doesn't work i will kill you mm-hmm. that doesn't that that's not healthy that's not good for our world so call god whatever you want understand that there are things that are not within the power of human beings. Creation, ultimate guidance, and ultimate redemption. You're talking about no duality. What do you mean by that? God within, no duality. Yeah, because because there is this God who is the creator, the, the guider, and the redeemer. But within each human being is also the essence of God. Because God is in everything. Everything, 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 everything of this universe is God. God is in me. God is in this desk. Scientists would call it faster and slower moving molecules. We call it God. So there is nothing that is not God. The tree out there, the rock out there, this glass of water, it's all God. Everything, everything. I am not God in that I have the power to create or to redeem. So I don't uh, go, I don't uh, adhere to the new age concept of that we are all God. But I do teach that God is within all of us. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So I guess one question I have is what stops us from embracing radical loving in the first place? We're afraid. Bottom line, we're afraid. It's that simple. We're afraid. 
We're afraid of fear. We're afraid of fear. We're afraid of anger. We're afraid of hatred. We're afraid of difference. We're afraid of the other. And that's the rhetoric we've heard in America for four and more years. Let's be afraid of the other. Yeah. And so therefore, kinds of things that had been underground and under the, forgive me, the scum of scummy rocks got put up into the, into the real world and were given a kind of imprimatur that they'd never had before. And so if you want to hate blacks, go ahead and hate blacks. You want to hate Hispanics? Go ahead, hate Hispanics. You want to hate Jews? Go ahead, hate Jews. Hmm. All of those things had been been put down by polite and decent society, and they were permitted to bubble up again. And that's why we have so much trouble at this very, very moment, because uh, people are fearing each other, because if you get my job, I won't have a job. If you get my food, I won't have food. If you get my place uh, to live, I won't have a place to live. Well, that's ridiculous. There's plenty for everybody. There's plenty for everybody. Hmm. And all we have to do is be kind enough and decent enough to understand that. We cannot fear. In, in, it's, a, it's a phrase that's used in the Bible, actually more in the New Testament than it is in the uh, Hebrew Bible, uh, in very, very grammatical forms, Al-Tira, do not be afraid. Hmm. I want to dive into, because we always like to have tools on the show and help people out, you know, as they, as they navigate. And one of the areas that you talked about are eight mystical spiritual tools that you emphasize. Um, and it starts with do not fear. Can you right. talk about that? Yeah, well, it's just exactly what, what I was uh, just saying. If you, if you are afraid, then you act as if you're afraid and you cower in the corner and every, you see a shadow, you see a, a foe lurking, lurking behind every shadow. You have to come out of these dark places and come into the light. So, don't fear. Don't, don't fear because your response will be anger and hatred and not love. Hmm. Spiritual intent. Why is that? Why is that a tool? What, what's important with that? Well, it raises up above. In, in this is one of the the Hebrew words that has uh, made its way into the New Age in some ways. It's called kavana or kavana. But it's the spiritual. I see Sarah. We we see each other on the screen. I see <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Yeah, you see nodding. me nodding along with you. Yeah, yeah. it it is uh, lifting ourselves above the the everyday world in which we live, and entering the world of the spirit where we are in communication with God, and we say, "My spiritual intent is to learn, to open myself, to hear what is from the other side." You know, the veil between this side and the other side is getting thinner and thinner every moment. The, the Bible talks about the rakia. It's the, the Hebrew word is the rakia when 
in the very opening sentences of Genesis, the rakia seems to be the the veil or the separation between the high heavens and the waters that then become the land. And the veil, the rakia is becoming thinner and thinner. And so we step into the world of spirit with our intent to see the, if you will, the white spaces between the black letters. Hmm. To know that there is more than we can see and feel and touch. So for example, if um, if you have a dog and you have a dog whistle, you can whistle for your dog with the dog whistle. You can't hear it because our hearing range is not high enough to hear that sound. But the dog hears it because the dog has a higher, seri- uh, higher uh, hearing range than we do. Or if you have a camera and you open the aperture, you see only what the camera aperture sees, but you don't see everything else that's around it. There's everything, everything that's around us. And the more we intend to hear it, to see it, to feel it, to touch it, the more we are able to do that and move into the world of the spirit. The third tool you mentioned is my favorite. So I'm jumping in. Silence. Yeah. Why is that a tool? The sounds of silence. Oh, we have to. We have to pay a. Uh, right. We, we don't want to uh, sing that. We, 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 we don't want to. We don't do that. We're going to have to pay a commission or something. It's just a phrase, so we're okay. Yeah, the licensing, right? But it is because the noise of this world just pounds us all the time. You know, you walk into a, a, a grocery store, a grocery store. You need a carton of milk, and there's music playing. You walk into an elevator. And there's music playing. And I would bet that many, many, many of us walk to get into our cars and turn on the radio or turn on the music player. There is brilliance in silence because in that way we're in communication and dialogue with our own minds, with our own spirits, with the other side, with God in the world of spirit. So silence is so important. Merge and flow. What do you mean by merge and flow? It means coming into alignment and attunement with God. You know, we just had in the Jewish world Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But if you take if you take the parts of that word, it means at onement. When we separate from God, when we disconnect from God that's when existential angst and anguish can come. If we stay in connection with God, and every faith community has a different way of doing it, and each one works for that faith community, but if we stay in connection with God, if we merge and flow with the divine energy, then regardless of the the vicissitudes of this life, we can... Um, not only endure, but we can prevail because with God, we can do anything. So there's a phrase in Psalms, which says, from the depths, I call to God. And sometimes it is true. We cannot get up out of bed. We cannot get off the floor. And we say to God, I can't do this alone. And God, in the, the second half of the verse says, in divine expansiveness, God lifts us up. And so we 
when we are in that energetic flow, by merging with that energetic flow, that's when we and God can do anything together. And on the flip side, I suppose, you also mentioned isolation. Yes, because, again, it's, it's, it's like silence. If we, if we uh, spend all our time with other people, with other things, with other doing, you know, the pandemic has been really, really interesting. It's been, in some ways, a gift from God. And I know this may sound rather strange to people, but I think God was getting us ready over the last 50 years. Because 50 years ago, we did not have the internet. We didn't have email. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Zoom. We didn't have DoorDash. We didn't have Amazon <laughs> delivery. We didn't have eBay. The, without those, can you imagine what this pandemic isolation would have been? We all would have been stir crazy. We would have been hanging. From we the certainly would have been hungry. We would have been hungry, exactly. So maybe it was that God was getting us ready for this time. And why? Why were we, were we drawn inside? We were drawn inside because it was time to stop doing and to start being. Mm, that's that's very good that's a very good thing to say that's very interesting thank you to be quiet to be with ourselves now you know some people use the time to organize their closets and to throw out the all the stuff that doesn't fit anymore or to organize their bookshelves or whatever they did and those were all very valid and wonderful things but the people who really understood this isolation used it to say who am I? And that's one of the other um, uh, one of the other tools, which is self-understanding. Who am I? What is my life? What am I here for? What's my purpose? What's my mission? And the quieter we are, the more silent we are, the more we are alone, the more the answers come to us. Be in ecstasy. How can we be in ecstasy? Well, the the Rabbi Nachman, the great uh, Hasidic Rebbe, said it's a great uh, mitzvah, it's a great commandment, it's a great thing to be uh, happy. So we made another song actually, which is on the which is on the, which is be happy and joyful, happy and joyful, happy and be joyful and be glad, be happy and joyful, happy and joyful, happy and be joyful and be glad. Come to God with love in your heart. Come to God with light in your soul. Be joyful and happy. We want to go around all day looking uh, sad and miserable. If you're sad and miserable, you'll be sad and miserable. Everybody around you will be sad and miserable. Joy, happiness, gladness comes from gratitude. Comes from gratitude. And gratitude is so important. Thank you, God. I woke up today. I have my soul. I have my breath. I have my life. And you know, I have, um, I've created, it's in the book, I've created a spiritual practice for myself. I made a list of everyone I am grateful to. 
going all the way back to antiquity to the people I never met, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the people from the Bible. And then all the scholars and teachers from antiquity forward. And then my own teachers, some of whom I knew, some of whom I just read their works. And then my family and my closest friends and some of my students. And every day I read that list to myself and I say thank you to each and every one of those people because without them, I would not be who I am. One of those people in my list of 40 or 50 missing and I'm not who I am. And so I say, not only do I say thank you, but I also say, and which one of you has something to share with me today that will make me a better person or will help me with the work that I'm doing today? Hmm. And inevitably, somebody comes forward. And sometimes it's one, and sometimes it's more than one. And spiritual guidance comes forward to help me. So when I am in gratitude, I can do my, the only response to gratitude is joy and happiness. And that touches on, on the eighth of these mystical spiritual tools, which is yeah. listen. Yeah. You have to listen. You have to listen to, to the sound. Do we have to? Do we have to I listen to other people? I don't know. I feel like we're the whiny children right now. <laughs> we don't want to listen. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, a, 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 guy was, a guy was walking down the street with somebody else, and he said, stop. Listen to the birds sing. And his companion said, what are you, crazy? We're in the middle of downtown mid-Manhattan. It's too noisy, can't hear a thing. So the guy took a quarter out of his pocket and bounced it on the sidewalk, and 12 people came running after that quarter. You hear what you want to hear. And so we listen. And again, we listen to each other. Somebody once uh, asked, again, a Hasidic Rebbe uh, said to a friend, do you love me? And the friend said, of course I love you. And the, the man said, well, how do I feel today? And the response was, I don't know. How do you feel? He said, how can you love me if you don't know how I feel? You have to listen. Listen to my words and listen to the sounds of my heart. And then you have to listen to the other side, to what these people in gratitude and to what the divine are speaking to you. It, it, it says, Shema Yisrael, listen, O people of Israel. Listen, and what are we supposed to listen to? God is one. One God, one world, one people, divine oneness, oneness consciousness for the entire world. Being in awe. Being in awe is something that you emphasize on here. What do you mean by that? Well, it's it's uh, It goes like this. Let's say you're walking down the street with your child who just forgot his key, but now remembered it, or your grandchild, <laughs> which Uh-oh, just happened totally to me. totally outed. <laughs> during this My recording. My dad used to do that to me in sermons. It's, I... <laughs> yeah, my kids were not thrilled when I used them as examples in sermons. But I'll tell you a great story about one of the kids if you have time after this. Um, uh, you walk down the street with your child or grandchild, and the kid says to you, Wow, look at that tree. What a great tree. It's so big. It's so beautiful. And you could say, well, I remember from my fourth or fifth grade lesson on trees that because of the shape of the bark and the color of the leaves and the the shape of the leaves, that must be an oak tree. Or you could say, yes, what a great tree. And what a great gift God has given us. 
that tree that's so strong that if we're tired, we can lean against its its uh, trunk, and uh, we can be so grateful for the the leaves that bring us shade in the sun, and we can be so happy for the for the fruit that quenches our thirst and satiates our hunger. That's being in awe, in awe and in gratitude. So it is an awesome world. And if we go through it with closed eyes, we will not see the awe and we will not give credit credit for the awe. So if you have time, let me tell you a story about Please, my, please my go kids. ahead. All right. So uh, when my kids were little, we tried to interpret for them uh, and bring into their lives the teaching of an ancient sage. Of this sage, it is said, if he needed a piece of meat, when he went to the marketplace, he would buy two. If he needed a bunch of vegetables, he would buy two, one for himself and one for the hungry in his neighborhood. So when the kids were little, we said, okay, we're going to do the same kind of thing. Every time we go to the grocery store, we will buy one extra item of non-perishable food, a box of cereal, a box of mac and cheese, a can of tuna, a jar of peanut butter. We won't even take it into the house. We'll just you have a collection in the back of the trunk with a brown paper sacks. And when we filled up two or three of them, we'll take them to the local food pantry. So I'm in the store one day with my then five-year-old, who's pushing 50 now. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, I took a box of Cheerios off the shelf. And I said to him, honey, how about this is our food gift for today? And at five years old, precarious though he was, pre- precocious though he was, he said, no, and grabbed the cereal out of my hand and put it back on the shelf and stood on his little tiptoes and took another box of cereals. He said, this will be our food gift for today. So I said to him, honey, what's the difference? And he said, look, dad, there are hungry children out there too. And children like sugar frosted flakes better than we like Cheerios. (laughs) (laughs) Now in a second, This kid taught me not to see a category of people, the hungry, the homeless, the needy, the poor. But he taught me to see the face of a child whom we might be helping to feed, who liked one kind of cereal better than another kind of cereal. That's beautiful. And so, you know, when we give away old clothes to Goodwill or the local shelter or whatever, we give away a pair of pants, we give away a shirt, a dress, a blouse, something that's out of fashion or doesn't fit anymore. But you know, if a man needs a pair of pants, he also needs a pair of socks. But no one ever thinks to give away a pair of socks. They're old, they're smelly. But you can give away a pair of socks. Or if you don't want to do that, on your way to the shelter, you can stop at the local store and for a few bucks, pick up a pack of six packs of socks mm-hmm. and add them to your to your gift. You go to a hotel and the hotel doesn't expect you to steal the towels or the pillows. But those little bottles of shampoo and uh, and conditioner and little bars of soap, they expect you to take those. Collect them. And then when you go to the homeless shelter, bring them. Because one little bottle of shampoo that we don't use because we're using our $15 bottle designer shampoo, right? Or $20 some. Um, that one little bottle of shampoo is a head wash for one or two or three people for one or two or three times. Mm-hmm. So... We need to see the face of those we might be helping. If you, collect, if you make a Thanksgiving basket, all the social service agencies, churches, synagogues, everybody make mosques, everybody makes Thanksgiving baskets for those who might not have enough food. And we put in a turkey, and we put in stuffing, and we put in cranberries and all those other kinds of things. Well, here's an idea. 
put in a bottle of sparkling apple cider or put in a bag of, of colored jelly beans or put in a, daily, a gaily decorated cake. Because just because somebody doesn't have enough money to buy Thanksgiving doesn't mean that he or she or the family shouldn't have a joyous Thanksgiving. So add some food, add some things that will bring some happiness. If you know it's going to a kid's house for a buck or two, buy a, buy a little a gift for, for the children. Brighten the days of people who need our help, but see their faces, not just a category of human beings. And you're, you're talking about this, the reframing of the ordinary into an everyday spiritual practice. Yes. So this is exactly what you're talking about here. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you take out the garbage. Yuck. Smelly, miserable, horrible. Go back to the Bible. And there we learn that the high priests, the priests who offered in those days sacrifices. Now, we haven't had sacrifices for well more than 2,000 years. So don't think that we're talking about uh, any mode of worship now. But in the old days, they brought animal and, and vegetable and, and, um, and produce sacrifices. The first thing that the high priest did every morning was not put on his fancy high priest uniform. He put on the equivalent of today's sweatsuit, his linen garments. And his job was to take the ashes from last night's sacrifice and take them outside the camp to the garbage dump. So, you know, if we're going to dress up in our fancy clothes and do fancy things and think we're hotshot people, we can be. On the other hand, we also have to take out the garbage because that's part of life too. So reframe taking out the garbage and said, instead of saying, oh, it's smelly, it's horrible, it's terrible, why should I have to do these things? You say, I'm making my home cleaner, safer. I'm making my neighborhood cleaner, safer. I'm doing my job to help the environment. That's a whole other issue of what we're doing to this planet. Shame on us. Shame on us for what we're doing to this planet. And we better change our ways. I don't have to tell the two of you. We better change our ways before it's too late because this, this, um, this planet has become a tiny village. And a, a smokestack that belches smoke in Pittsburgh, uh, they, they breathe in the smoke in, in Paris. And a, a, a plastic bottle get, that gets thrown into the uh, ocean in Atlanta gets into the belly of a fish and winds up in Mexico. This is a tiny, tiny little village, and we are either going to live, learn to live together, both in terms of our, our environment and our behaviors. We will either learn to live together, or God forbid, we will perish together. Wow, that's that's powerful. And I, you talk about us being. Uh, that this being our Noah's Ark, our community is our Noah's Ark. So that yeah. makes, that's a powerful statement. Um, you you talk about, and we just have a, a minute or two, a couple of minutes left. You talk about that we're all prophets in one way or another. What do you mean? Well, it means that God talks to us in each and every way. It's another means of listening. You know, prayer is goes both ways. So I talk to God and God listens. And everybody thinks that's the end of prayer. It's not. There's a reverse. God talks to me, and I have to listen. Because God has words of wisdom and direction and guidance and counsel and love for me. So 
the the ancient the ancient definition of a prophet. When you talk about Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all the boys from the Bible, uh, we're not talking about a fortune teller or a soothsayer. We're talking about the the definition of a prophet is a messenger of God. And so, if I listen carefully, God gives me a message. And sometimes that message is just for me, and sometimes it's for me and my family, and sometimes it's a message that I have to give out to my group of friends or to my community or to the whole world. Each of us is a prophet. And I wrote a little prayer that's in the book where we can, because prophecy is a new thing for most of us, it's a little prayer to say every day, takes 30 seconds, to hone our gift, to elevate our gift of prophecy, to be able to hear and see and envision better. There's another, so there's a song in the uh, on the CD about that as well. So listen to God, see God's visions for you in words, in visions, in daydreams, in night dreams. God talks to each and every one of us. Listen, and then do what God tells you. Rabbi Wayne, thank you so much for joining us on Big Universe. It's been great having you on the show. It's been a great pleasure, a great pleasure to talk to you and to my buddy, Sarah. Wayne Dosick's latest book is Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. Check out his podcast, Spirit Talk Live. And are you at uh, Rain Wayne, Rabbi Wayne com as well? Is that your uh, website? This, this, uh, this is RadicalLovingBook.com. RadicalLovingBook.com. Awesome. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, Go to spiritual-rebel.com. Make sure you pre-order her new book. I've got premium video courses that help to create them on my website called You Thrive Here. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.